All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 13 of the Breaking Balls podcast. Very unlucky number and a very unlucky weekend to be a stock car racer in Texas. 16 cautions and a lot of bad weather, Bob. Yeah, but Ed, it wasn't all bad. Yeah, there was a shit show in NASCAR, but we got a butt punt today in the NFL. And it's little things in life like that that make me happy. So we got that and the Jags might actually be good. So lots of breakdown, I think, my friend. Let's get into it. Hit it, Dolly. We are we are high tech over here, aren't we, Adam? We are, oh. We've got the tools, baby. Well, DW and Dolly, to get the show going, you tell me if you're not ready to hear us talk. I don't know, man. After hearing those two, I don't know how you're not. I mean, we've got a heck of a show for you, though. A lot to break down, Bob. Um, where do you want to start, NFL or NASCAR this week? You know, it's uh, the age-old question for the Breaking Balls podcast. You know, Ad, it's it's 11 p.m. on God's time, Central Time Zone over here. I, I need a little bit of time still to decompress from NASCAR, so... Let's jump into NFL, my friend. Let's 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 dip our toes into the football land tonight. I'm down with that, Bob. Um, very very interesting afternoon slate of games. Uh, one of those things as a football fan, you kind of had to slow down, catch your breath a little bit because there was action everywhere. A lot of really really strong finishes. Um, as far as the afternoon slate goes, um, where do you want to start, Bob? What game do you want to start with? Should we start uh, on Thursday? Uh, yeah, we could start on Thursday. I guess we can mention that game. It happened. It, it happened. It happened. Cleveland yeah. 29, Pittsburgh 17. It happened. Yeah, it happened. Um, you know, I think everybody is seeing very clearly that Mitch Trubisky is not the long-term answer. The only person who isn't ready to admit it is Mike Tomlin. But uh, we will see how that saga continues as they have two capable quarterbacks behind him. Uh, one that they drafted... Uh, Drafted in the last draft, old Kenny Pickett, small hands. But we'll see when they eventually do go to Kenny Pickett how that goes. But I I just think the Steelers are in a holding pattern, and that's just kind of it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's just strange QB room. You know, it, I don't know. There's a weird saga there because they've got talent. Uh, it's not like they're in a full rebuild, but just, I don't know, it's a weird team. And that Browns team, you know, they're, they're treading water for those first 11 games till they get uh, old Deshaun back. But, uh, you know, they don't look that bad. They don't. So uh, definitely a team to watch in the, in the AFC North, I think, Ad. Yep. And also that game was our uh, our very first uh, Breaking Balls parlay that we put out for a Thursday night game. A little plus 4,000 on a Thursday night. Um, we're going to do something like that every week, you know, just kind of get something that might hit, but if it does hit, you could feel, you know, feel like you've got a win going into the weekend. So a little plus 4,000 parlay. If you're not willing to do that on a Thursday night, then you're probably on the wrong podcast. But uh, 0-1, Bob. Um, not a hot start. I will say one of the legs was the George Pickens over 25 yards. You got that pretty easily on that one-handed Odell Beckham-like catch. So, hey, listen, I'm not going to say that we willed that catch into existence, but, uh, you know, I think a little bit of the universe... I think we're a part of it. So, uh, yeah, something to watch for uh, on, uh, on our Instagram and Twitter. Definitely. Yep. 100%. Um, I mean, 
I don't want to bury the lead, but let, you know, let's ease our way into the NFL slate here. Um, Bengals played the Jets. Bengals 27, Jets 12. Um, Jets hung a pretty good fight in the first half of this game. Um, then, obviously, the talent separated them towards the end there. Um, Joe Burrow looked good. Jamar Chase, you know, really really looks like they're kind of coming into stride a little bit. Um, Bob, what did you think of this game? Yeah, uh, you know, the Jets are not as bad, I think, as people are giving them credit for. Um, you know, Joe Flacco keeping them in. They move the ball pretty well down the field. They just can't really capitalize on these drives with six points. And that's, you know, ultimately this league is based upon taking advantage of your opportunities. And uh, Jets defense has some pieces. They definitely harassed Joe Burrow a couple times. Uh, it wasn't like it was an easy game for the Bengals, that's for sure. Uh, the score looked a lot more lopsided because of the second half. They just kind of pulled away. The game script just got away. Uh, the Jets had to be a little bit more desperate. But, uh, no, I, I, you know, I don't think that the, the future is that dim in New York, actually, for once for the Jets. I, you know, I came away more impressed with this, and uh, the Bengals had to win this game more than anything. So, you know, for both sides, I feel like you can come away kind of making a case that they uh, feel better after this one. Yeah, it's very weird that you can say that after a Jets loss, but I think anybody who watched the game would agree with that assessment. I mean, they they really didn't look bad in this game. I mean, there was a point in this game where I texted you and even said, hey, you know, remind me to take the over on Jets the Jets' win total next year. Because, I mean, they look like they're building something. They look like they're playing hard for old Salah. And uh, he's, you know, that just... Squad looks good. I think they're coming together. I think with Zach Wilson coming back, it'll be interesting to see. You know, Joe Flacco is uh, is is nothing if not a steady uh, steady quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what happens as Zach Wilson takes the reins back over. But uh, Jets team looking a little frisky this early in the season. Fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. And by steady, you mean elite for Joe Flacco. That's okay. I understand. I understand your lingo, my friend. No worries there. Uh, it's Franchises that are kind of on the mend, you know, trying to get back up there. The Bears are one of them, man. The Justin Fields tenure, this is year three, I believe, for them. Uh, you know, they need to make some strides here. They they go in, you know, home turf against Houston, a team that's, again, if we can name five players in that roster, please let us know. By all means. I still, I, I could not tell you one. I, Davis I, Mills. Davis Mills. There you go. But anyway, uh, you've 23-20. Bears come away with another win there. Uh, two and one on the season. The Bears are back. Maybe. I don't think so, but maybe just, you know, maybe a little bit. I don't know. What do you think, Ad? Uh, it wasn't pretty. I mean, it's one of those things that every time I watch a Bears game, I think, okay, maybe Justin Fields will step up and, you know, kind of prove that, prove he's worth his weight, you know, that type of thing. And every time I'm massively disappointed, to be honest with you. Um, he's like a worse version of Jalen Hurts, who we'll talk about later um and i just don't think that he is necessarily the guy in chicago um i don't know what chicago does moving forward they just have a myriad of questions as far as their entire franchise goes so uh i don't know take a number if you think you've got a plan to fix the chicago bears because i think there's a lot of people in chicago who uh who have their opinions and uh, i won't add fuel to that fire per se just a weird team when you really look at the roster construction there. Some pieces on defense that are remnants from that really good team a couple of years ago still. Uh, but, yeah, it just, you know, nobody really on offense that really excites you there outside of Justin Fields and even him. It's a project. You see his throwing motion at times is very elongated. It's very slow, uh, inaccurate at times. But, look, he's a huge dude. He's athletic. You know, he can keep a play alive, and there's times where that's all the Bears need. And so – it's something that they can build around, but you know, like I said, being in year three, 
he's going to have to have more games like this, you know, where he's not just a liability if they're going to be somewhat successful and have him in the long-term future. Well, it just gets to a point, Bob, to where, you know, the way that these rookie deals are structured to where you have the four years with the fifth year option. This is really a year where the Bears are going to kind of have to have their mind made up on Justin Fields, because if he's not your guy, you're definitely going to need to be looking to the draft to find somebody not really sure what free agency or trade options they could possibly have. I'd have to sit down and look at it a little bit more, but a lot of decisions to be made in Chicago. Very, uh, very anxious to see how they navigate the whole thing. Um, I don't think anybody can question Justin Fields' athleticism. It's just the decision maker. As a decision maker under center, I just don't know if he can get it done in this league. Uh, obviously, you know, this is my fan's opinion. But just from somebody who's been watching it closely and trying to find good things, um, just not a lot there. Um, speaking of a game that I was watching not necessarily too closely, but definitely trying to point out good things was uh, the Saints and the Panthers. Uh, Panthers ended up taking that game 22 to 14. Um, I don't think the Saints have have much going for them right now, Bob. They're kind of missing Sean Payton, really look lost as a team, no identity. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, uh, that Saints team, they've got a really elite defense, but that offense is just miserable at times. Jameis looks like, uh, you know, he – Forgot that he had LASIK and is just going back to old Jameis 30 interceptions a couple years ago. Just kind of closing his eyes. Yeah, he's not eating any dubs at. Not quite. No, no, no. Uh, I just, it's, it's concerning to watch his progression at times. So uh, that Saints team is concerning. Uh, the Panthers needed this win. They are a very, I'm just going to say, they're a boring team, to be quite honest with you. There's nothing exciting about them. Uh, they, I think they averaged, was it 17 points a game under the Matt Rule tenure? So, I mean, it's one of the worst in the league. They, they had a defensive touchdown that really ultimately was the difference in this game. Otherwise, they had you know, 14 points on offense. So, uh, I just don't understand that team. I really don't. They're another team like the Bears where they've got a lot of work before they're going to be competitive here. Yeah, and you know, Bob, the thing with the Panthers, and it's kind of a messed up thing for me to point out just right off the bat, uh, the Carolina head coaching job seems to age people like the presidency because Matt Rule looks <laughs> terrible. Oh, my goodness. I saw him on the sideline and I almost didn't recognize the poor guy. You could tell that coach life is getting to it, man. I mean, oh, my goodness. I was just like, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things. If you would put a side-by-side -side of the guy who was coaching Baylor a few years ago to the Matt Rule of now, I mean, whew. I mean, he looks like a completely different human being. So don't let coaches tell you that they, uh, they've they got it. You know, don't think these coaches have an easy job. It's a long hours. It's uh, And it's wearing on Matt Rule, to say the least. Yeah, he, he, it's good that you mentioned that. You know, they always say Waco wears on a man. But uh, I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, Charlotte might be doing a number on old Matt Rule. So, uh, I, I, yeah, just one of those games you have to mention just because it did happen. But uh, an interdivisional mat match. But, uh not something that I really had on my TV. The red zone wasn't covering much. So um, just, yeah, I don't know. Just one of those games that wasn't exciting for me. Yeah, I mean, well, you said it. So I guess we could transition. Speaking of not exciting, uh, the Patriots played football today um, with their high-powered offense. Uh, they took the field in Foxborough against the Ravens and took a beating a little bit, 37-26. to 26. Um, The Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, mystery play caller, um, Experiments seem to be going. Yeah. 
horribly. I mean, I I don't know. It just it seems like a very weird thing for the Patriots to be in this much disarray. But credit to the Ravens, they showed up and beat them. Um, what did you think about this one, Bob? Yeah, I will say the score line probably didn't indicate how close this game was. I mean, the Patriots were leading in the third quarter. Uh, Mac Jones had a chance to take the lead and then threw a pick in the end zone in the fourth quarter. So uh, there was a moment here where this was New England's game. They, you know, for the most part, kept Lamar Jackson in check. You know, obviously he was very explosive at times. He hit Mark Andrews for a couple touchdowns, but uh, wasn't the worst game for the Patriots. But just, you know, when it came down to it, like you said, that defense is a problem. You know, they can get to the quarterback some. Matthew Judon is a very good rusher, but I just they've got a lot of holes there. That offense, again, we always talk about that Big Ten offense, that sex appeal offense, I love to call it. Uh, Mac Jones going down with an ankle injury. Who knows how long he'll be out. I mean, Brian Hoyer at quarterback, does that instill any more confidence? God, no. So uh, there's a chance that the Patriots are the worst team in the AFC East. Wow. Yeah, there is. Well, I, I, I would honestly probably say they are, to be quite I mean, honest with you. I don't see how you don't at this point. I mean, taking a look around the division real quick. I mean, the yeah. Bills, I mean, Bills in Miami, we'll talk about that game in a little bit here. Um, oh, we will. I mean, <laughs> oh, we will. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, Patriots have been dominant in that division as long as I've been alive, and it's just an interesting uh, – but when you look transition. at those teams, I mean, the, these first three weeks, the Jets have probably given you more hope than the Patriots moving forward for this season. I mean, if uh, you really want to look at it. Come on. It's the Jets. I know. It's the, it's the goddamn New York Jets. I know. Look, I'm not going to say no, they're going to play off. It's, it's Bob. It's, it's the too. God, it, it's the goddamn New York Jets. No, not yet. I'm not ready to go there quite yet. I think well, next year, I mean, look, next, year fighting get, for... start, next year we could start talking about it. I just don't think we're there yet. I love where your heart's at, though. That's eager. I like it. I'll say this. I'm not going to say they're fighting for anything particular. They're fighting for like 12th and 13th in the AFC. So like, let's let's not say that it's it's a world beat battle here. But I mean, let's face facts. I mean, they're arguing for the uh, tallest midget award here. I mean, at the bottom. But the of fact that the Patriots are even in that battle is is something that we've got to mention here. Yeah, I mean, for this high and mighty franchise that's you know the AFC runs through New England every year. I think it's fair to say that that time is completely over with. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think the uh, the reign of terror that Belichick and Brady had on the AFC for, you know, like Over. we said, damn near 25 years is ding-dong, the witch is dead. Um, be interested to see who fills up the uh, who fills up the spot in the AFC. Um, you know, Bob, I think we touched on it really quickly, so let's just talk about it. One of the most anticipated that? games of the week, um, the Bills came on down to South Beach and got beat. There was a lot that happened in this game. Tua may have had a hip concussion thing that made him very wobbly. We're not really sure. Nobody's going to give us a straight answer. Josh Allen forgot how to throw a football in the last play of the game, and a punter legitimately tried to shove a football up his personal protector's ass off of his foot. Um, go ahead, Bob. Pick one of those topics, and let's run with it. Um... My life is 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 just fueled by little moments of joy, like I said in this intro. And I think, like like you just said, Adam, a man, a professional punter. And I don't know if this stat was right. I heard this, and this was just—it's been a long day. 
Apparently, he has not had a punt blocked in 14 years. I don't know if that's true. Oh, I, I, I don't know if that's true. If it's not true, I'm just a moron here. But let's just say it is for fun. And the first time he gets blocked is because of his own personal protector at the goal line going right up his ass. I mean, I I, I feel like he can't write poetry sometimes. And I'll this tell is you one what, of those though. moments. I'll tell you what, though, Bob. There's a... Uh... There's got to be a few gentlemen in the uh, greater Orlando area who may be fig- trying to figure out how to uh, sign up to be a personal protector for the Miami Dolphins because uh, I don't know much about South Beach, but I do know that uh, that may be something they're a little interested in if you catch my drift. <laughs> anyway, anyway, oh. uh, you know, I, I, the, you know, everyone loves the butt fumble. Uh, this is going to be one of those moments I think we'll look back on just kind of laughing. It's it just is so damn funny. The photo's so great, um, especially the fact that, like you said, there's so much that happened but those last couple minutes. Uh, you know, Miami. There was a third and twenty-two where they're down set or they're down three points, I believe. It's I think it's seventeen fourteen with like four minutes left. They hit Eric Waddle for like forty yards to basically set up that go-ahead touchdown, and then you know. Credit to Miami. I mean, Buffalo had every opportunity to win this game, but, you know, they bend but didn't break. And that's how people are going to have to beat these Bills. You know, Buffalo's going to have their opportunities, but you're going to have to have a little luck. You're going to have to have a couple plays, a 50-50 ball go one way or the other. And there were so many of those 50-50 plays in the fourth quarter that went Miami's way. It was just kind of destiny, I feel like, Adam. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if a healthy Buffalo Bills team plays this Dolphins team. and gets a better result to be honest with you I think they were missing a lot in the back half of their defense that you Mm -hmm. know when you're playing Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill and there's so much speed at the receiver position anytime you're missing a starting defensive back I hate to admit it it does actually matter um you know you need those guys especially on the you know especially at safety to come over the top help those guys out um just too much speed for the Dolphins like you said Jalen Waddle just busted off that big play um yeah, I you know, this game is awesome. I mean, one of those things you really the back and forth battles, um, you know, to see Miami really have the grit and that was the big thing. We thought we knew this team was high flying, we knew this team has a little bit of show to them, but to see them come and win gritty against this Buffalo team showed me a lot. And uh I mean, if you're not high on the Dolphins right now, I don't I don't, I don't know, know what man. you gotta see, man. I don't know what else you gotta see. I've been saying it. This team is going to be right up there with Buffalo on that AFC hunt. They've got too much talent. That defense is the same exact one from last year that was a top five defense. And then, like I said, you add in Tyree Kill, most important offensive weapon in the entire league. You know, Tua's had a couple moments this year where he's flashed some brilliance. He hasn't had too many bad moments. And, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned it here. I don't know what the hell they gave him in the locker room at halftime. They said it was a back injury that he locked up on. Ain't no damn way that was a back injury. That dude was loopy. I've seen a concussion or two in my lifetime. That was a concussion, Adam. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. I mean, that's a head injury if you've ever seen it. I mean, you don't hit your head on the turf that hard and not have something happen. Um, Be interesting to see what happens. They're doing a full investigation into it. Uh, The NFLPA is going to look into it. Um, Yeah, be very interesting to see the findings on that because I find it very hard to believe that that after – you know, he looked loopy. Like you said, it, it was one of those things. You saw it as soon as he got up that he wasn't right. And if a fan can tell you that, then 
I mean, what's the league looking at? Here? We have we have no medical background, and that's going to shock our listeners here. Uh, we don't have any sort of medical background here. But even that being said, I feel like we have a good chance of saying that was a head injury, and not a back injury. Just the way that uh, a deer in the headlights look. Look, I, I just <laughs> was not a good look when I saw him go out. I thought there's no way in the hell he's coming back. Uh, when I got the notification on my phone that said Tua had entered the game in the second half, I thought that that was, that was a mistake. Uh, I'll say he looked okay, but uh, just something like you said, that investigation is going to be interesting because it's worth it for the Dolphins, but uh, you know, long-term health of these players is something that they're taking very serious. So just something to watch down the line. Yep, 100%. Um, well, Bob, uh, we can transition really quickly. Uh, you know, I... I feel for Dan Campbell in this one, but it's getting to the point yeah. to where Dan Campbell is making one decision late in every game that is costing his team wins. And I understand that they're playing hard for him. And I understand that, you know, one of those guys that makes you want to show up and work harder, but at some point you have to ask, you know, what are these decisions? Why are they getting made this way? Why is he constantly messing these up? What's going on here? Um, tough loss to the Vikings today. Bob, what what what'd you think about this one? 28-24. Just heartbreaker for the Lions. It's just, it, it, you hate to see it because this Lions team is so fun. They're young. They, they move the ball well. They put up points. It feels like they're in great positions to win these games, especially you look in the early third quarter. Oh, they're, you know, up 20 or they're up 14, they're up 10, they're controlling the ball. And then something will happen, like you said, whether it's a Dan Campbell decision or, uh, you know, a momentum shift happens in the game, something happens here, it just completely derails them. And I, I don't know how you recover from that because, like I said, this is a young team, they've got talent. But uh, there was just at some point, you know, it got to where the Vikings were, I think, down seven or eight. And in my mind, I thought, well, that's it for the the Lions like and that's bad but it's just we've seen it happen time and time again like you said under Dan Campbell and even under other people under the, the Lions regime so um I don't know what what'd you think Ad what, what thoughts I mean it's one of those things that it feels very much like the Lions are a young team right now that is learning a lot about how to not lose football games and I know that's a very weird thing to kind of say but they're not necessarily learning how to win games right now, but they're finding out ways how basically to not like they're figuring out how to how to not lose football games. And they're just making one or two decisions. They're kind of seeing it, you know, the old Al Pacino any given Sunday quote, the inches we need are everywhere. And I mean, it's like it's just that's the story of the Lions right now. They just they're so close, but they just can't finish. And there's no finish to their game right now. And it's something that if you're going to be a team in the NFL that's going to do something that's going to make the playoffs, it's going to be frisky, you got to be able to finish. And that seems to be their issue right now. When when the going what? gets tough and, you know, the end of the games, they come around and just seem to be mistakes. And, yeah, go ahead, Bob. Adam, you said frisky, frisky and finish here, but you didn't see Jamal Williams' celebration. He did a couple of, he did a couple of thrusts. I mean – Okay, instructions were unclear, different kind, I understand. Okay, never mind, gotcha. Yeah, that's for the gotcha. Patreon, Bob, okay. remember? I understand, I understand, that's the paywall, understood, yes. never mind. Yes. Um, 
But yeah, on the other side, Kevin O'Connell's Vikings, you know, they needed that one to, to stay tough with Green Bay. Just kind of hung around there. No Dalvin Cook in the second half, no problem. Uh, uh, didn't have Justin Jefferson have a big game, but, you know, Kirk Cousins, when he's not on primetime, not horrible. I was going to say, just a vintage case of Kirk Cousins showing up in a game that nobody is watching. Um, yep. Just under the radar, Kirk Cousins. Um, his defenders will point to this game and say, look, look, this is it. He won it, you know, and they'll look at that Kirk, comeback. Look at that Kirk comeback. And the Kirk Cousins debate moves forward and it will keep going until he eventually retires from the NFL. Just well, crazy. Uh, let's stay in the uh, NFC. There was one more early game here. And uh, I just want to say congratulations. Oh no, Bob! There's more. We've got a couple more, but well, well, I love in the your heart's at. In the morning slate here. In the I morning love, slate. I love where your heart's at. So you I know, Bob. Did I miss any other ones in the morning slate besides besides yeah. the Titans one? No, there's one more. There's we got the. I mean, oh uh, yeah, I know yeah, why you're yeah. forgetting it. I know why. It's the Colts. The Colts and the Chiefs. Uh, well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm talking What's about the that? NFC here real quick. I just wanted to get the NFC out of here real quick. We got the AFC South to oh, break down here. Oh, we are going to. My bad. I'm sorry. No, I need to check the show point. notes. That's on you me. Know, every once in a while, I have to guide the ship back here, folks. And this is just one of those, you know, hey. Anyway, <clears throat> Adam, <laughs> congratulations, my friend. The Eagles are a fucking wagon. baby i can't even act like i'm not excited i don't know how to fucking hide this the eagles are good they're not even kind of good they're not even a receiver away from being good the eagles are just good and i am excited about it bob this game was awesome Loved you deserve some good football karma buddy you deserve a little good football karma after oh notre dame and the i mean is there anything better is there anything better than watching carson Wentz struggle like he did in the first half that Prince Harry looking motherfucker. I mean, can you believe that, it? I mean, he looked like an absolute asshole out there. And that was my favorite thing in the world. Carson went, oh, revenge game. Carson Wentz going to show up. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. He ain't going to show up to anything ever. It's Carson Wentz. Go birds. I, I, your team is a wagon, dude. I mean, that, that offense is hard to stop. Uh, there's multiple guys. You know, Devonta Smith just mossed a dude at the goal line Twice. in the first half. <laughs> I mean, he was hard to stop. You know, when AJ wasn't the focal point, it was Devonta. Goddard's out there. Miles Sanders ha- is having a good year. Even Boston Scott. I mean, the whole run game looks phenomenal. The offensive line is hard to stop right now. And then that defensive line. Really, the trenches on both sides of the ball for Philly are what are winning them the games this year. Yep. That defensive line, eight sacks on Carson Wentz, which, look, 
you know, he's a statue back there sometimes. He's a liability in games. You know that as an Eagles fan. I don't, that's not breaking news here. But explain that to me. You know, eight sacks here, Ad. That D-line, man. What the hell? I mean, if you could get pressure with, you know, with your front three or front four, I mean, it just makes your defense. It, it really opens things up for the entire defense. And eight sacks, man. I mean, oh, my goodness. What a day. Um, yeah, just a good win, you know, division win. Good to, uh, good to kind of get out early and get that. Like I said, just good, big division win against Carson. I mean, that one felt good. I'm not going to lie. That was, this was a good one for me, Bob. You were one of three undefeated teams left in the NFL, my friend. (sighs) I mean, wild, exhilarating, truly not. I don't think anybody thought that the Eagles would click this well, this quick. No. I, I certainly didn't. I think, uh, I think you know, I, I talked about it in week one. The shootout with the Lions kind of scared the crap out of me. But, you know, they really kind of settled into the season here, found a way to – they're finding ways to win football games. And, yeah, man, it's a talented roster. It's exciting to watch for sure. Talented roster. I think Jalen Hurts has definitely put himself, if not in the front runner, uh, one or two, third in the MVP conversation early in week three. You know, he's playing at a very high level. Obviously, the offense goes through everywhere. But – it just seems like he's making the right decisions everywhere he goes, not turning the ball over. You just got to like the guy. He seems like a good person off the field, a great leader on that locker room. And uh, I don't know, just that Philly team is likable. It just yeah. feels like they do everything right. Not a lot likable about the city of Philadelphia very often. I mean, fans <laughs> are usually pretty much assholes. Um, I get it. Like, I totally get it. Like, there's no reason. You don't have to you explain know. this to me. Like, the Phillies come off. Yeah, yeah I mean, reputation. I, I believe there was a Phillies pitcher. Um, they were going through a little bit of a losing streak. It was like a six-game losing streak in the 70s. And uh, the quote goes something to like, uh, hey, boys, uh, when we're getting off the airplane here, let's make sure we get off in five-yard increments. That way they can't shoot us all at once. And uh, that's Philly sports fans in a nutshell. I mean, you, you got to – you got to brother love. Yeah, you got to perform. Um, one of those things, and right now this Eagle team is performing, and it's a good day to be an Eagles fan. It's not always a good day to be an Eagles fan, but three and zero. Let me tell you, Bob, good time to be an Eagles fan. We relish the good days on this podcast, my friend, because there aren't many of them. But uh, we'll relish the good days when there are some. Well, I mean, you said relish the good days. I mean, it was a tough, tough getting there. The plane almost didn't land all the way, Bob, but I guess we got to clap it up for the Tennessee Titans. Big dub. Yeah, yeah. Finally yeah. in the W column, Bob, um, you have the floor. Give me give me what you like for this game. It wasn't easy. <laughs> they didn't make it easy. That's for damn sure. Uh, you know, it was, it was kind of a loser leaves town game. It turns out that the loser of this game is going to be only un, – uh, was I, I guess how do you – un Unwinless or un winless, winless team. I don't. Yeah, winless. I overthought that so hard here. I overthought that paralysis by analysis. Winless. It's getting late on on the East Coast here, but um, you know, look. uh, First half, the offense looked like they were in a rhythm here. They kept Derek Carr in that Raiders offense that's usually pretty high powered to field goals and punts. Ultimately, you know kind of rode that momentum into the second half and collapsed completely. But, you know, they did just enough to kind of hold them back. Uh, You know, that Titans defense, pretty darn good on third down. It's the fourth downs that are getting them, it looks like, this year, which is not where you want to be. But, um, you know, look, they needed the win. One and two going into Indianapolis next week, the divisional round or a divisional uh, matchup there. 
they needed that one. They needed this one against Oakland or yeah, Vegas he, or whatever they're whatever called. Whatever they are. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think this one, as a Titans fan, Bob, you got to be excited as what you saw. They really came out on fire. I mean, that team came out ready to play. They came out like a team that was not willing to go 0-3. And, and ultimately, that was really the difference. Um, that first half, like you said, not not a strong showing from the Titans in the second half. But that first half was so dominant, and they did just enough to hold on there. Um, I think, if anything, um, if anything comes of today, I hope it is that we all pump the brakes on this whole Derek Carr is elite talk. Because, you know, it came out of nowhere this offseason because they signed Devontae Adams and they were good together in college. And this idea that somehow Derek Carr was going to make this next step and be this elite NFL quarterback. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, that throw at the end of the game, I mean, to put it on a line there, I'm not a quarterback. Put it up high. You have Darren Waller, a former basketball player, on a linebacker and a safety. Make them go up and get it. You throw that ball high every other time. For whatever reason, you nut up and put the ball on a line this time. Derek Carr, just he constantly makes decisions like that. But I just don't understand all this this talk about him being such an elite quarterback. I just don't see it. It, It's just not there for me. It's it's a little bit of that, and then you know we talked about the Eagles and their trenches on both sides, the offensive and defensive lines. The Raiders are the exact opposite. Their offensive and defensive lines constantly are getting pushed back on the line of scrimmage, and you know that matters. You know it adds up during the game. Those yards are valuable and crucial, and whether it's red zone or you know short large, short yardage situations. It seemed like the Raiders were struggling in those in those moments, you know. So you know they get to the red zone, those two point conversions. You can't just run the ball. Titans had that 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 what's the word that that comfort that comfort and that obligation that they could, and the Raiders didn't. Yeah, I just you know, you look at the Raiders, especially on the defensive line. They've got edge rushers, you know, Max Crosby. I I really like watching him play. Very good football player. A menace off the edge if you watch him play. High motor. High motor athlete. High motor guy, 100%. But just at the defensive tackle positions, they just, you know, they've got too many guys. I guess it's one of those things as you watch the defensive line, it, it won't make sense very much just hearing this explanation. But keep it in mind as you watch football. They've got too many guys trying to win a one-on-one matchup and not play good team defense on that defensive line. They're not gap sound. They're all trying to beat their guy one-on-one and get around him. And that's why you see them often getting pushed back. It's just because they're not gap sound. And, you you know, I mean, it's one of these things. In the NFL, it's playing defense is all about gaps. There's too many good athletes on the field. Your scheme has to, has to, has to be locked in 100%. And... You can just tell the Raiders are kind of struggling in their defensive scheme at the moment. Uh, it'll be I'm anxious to see if they can kind of turn it around and right the ship here because zero and three was certainly not a place that this football team expected to be. Not where you want to be, that's for damn sure. Um, one other game in the uh, the early window here. We kind of teased it earlier, but um, the Colts and the Chiefs, Adam. Uh, you know, can I just can I just have a moment here? Matt Ryan still sucks. Oh, yeah. It's not gotten any better from last week, folks. I don't know if you thought it would. I know the Colts won. I, I'm sure they feel good about that win. I don't know anyone else that feels good about it from a national point of view. The, it was really just the Chiefs pointing out that, hey, you know, this age-old question, can you play offense and defense and never play a, a lick of special teams? Well, guess what? Watch this game. No matter how bad the Colts' offense was, 
you still had to have some special teams, and the Chiefs didn't. Even a slimmer of it would have closed this game out, Adam. Yeah, I mean, it's a third of the game. I mean, you've heard it if you've ever played football, um, been around the game. You hear coaches preach it all the time. Special teams, it's a third of the game. You can lose a game on special teams. Like, Please do not lose a game on special teams. And that's exactly what happened to the Chiefs. I mean, the offense, uh, you know, they had that little spat between Pat Mahomes and the offensive coordinator on the way out at halftime, you know, that type of thing. But, I mean, like you said, you got to play special teams. It's it's a third of the game for a reason. Even a, just competent special teams play wins this game. Um, you know, I think the Colts have to feel good about getting in the win column, which, you know, hey, man, more power to you. But you, you can't look at this as a repeatable way to win football games. I mean, that is not sustainable. No, you definitely beat a good football team in the chiefs and, you know, hats off for finding a way to win. Um, I would not look to go to that. Well, for winning football games more than once, you're not, it's not going to go well in the long run. In my opinion, you're not going to win that luck battle every game, it just doesn't, doesn't work. So, you know, like I said, the special teams from the start for the Chiefs, you know, that first drive, they muffed the punt inside the 10. Colts go down and score. It was just, you know, a semblance of the whole game right there. You know, Indy had every opportunity to win this game and didn't until the very end because their offense just could not move the ball. Matt Ryan, I, Adam, it's tough. He's a turnover machine, and whether he's getting strip sacked, whether he's throwing the ball just to the defense. He does not look comfortable in Indianapolis right now. No, I mean, this whole carousel of older quarterbacks that they've been trying to run in um, in Indianapolis, you know, with, I, I mean, Carson Wentz isn't old, but he's got the ankles of an 80-year-old, so whatever. Um, Phillip Rivers, and then, you know, now into Matt Ryan, I just... At some point, you got to stop with this whole. Oh, we're just gonna just gonna put one more bullet in the clip, one more in the chamber, and take a shot at the playoffs. Like, man, just find a find a long term solution. Let's build around it. I mean, you've got a strong enough offensive line and running game that you're you know you can you have a good opportunity right now to build something at the quarterback position. Please stop wasting it on guys that are just absolutely washed. I mean, and that's the thing. Matt Ryan is washed. I mean. Uh, anybody who's watching that game, it, it's bad. They're loading the box. They're loading the box, daring them to run the ball with JT because they know Matt Ryan is not competent enough back there with his top receiving weapons out. It's just, you know, they're not a threat passing. No. They're not a threat deep. They're not a threat at all. So, you know, outside of Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line, if you load the box, you know, it's a 50-50 chance if it makes it to the receiver or not. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's – uh it's a lot like a D3 quarterback right now. I mean, when it's really good, it's good. When it's bad, it is terrible. And that's, that said, yeah. like you said, building around, you know, the six quarterbacks in six years, they need to build around a new talent. After looking into Andrew Luck after 20 years of Peyton Manning, you know what? Jim Irsay deserves that shit, man. Jim Irsay deserves a little squirming. They could have another five or 10 years without a quarterback for all I care about. I'm going to have a little bias for just a second there. Okay. All right, we're back. We're back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What happened there? I blacked out for a minute. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't do Mr. pills for a minute. Sorry. Oh, no. Well, um, speaking of blacking out, uh, Justin Herbert was probably blacked out on painkillers playing against the uh, Jaguars today. Uh, That did not look very good. (laughs) AFC South dominance again, man. 
Jaguars. AFC AFC West went zero and two against the AFC South today. Just need every or AFC West went zero and three against the AFC South today. Actually, now that I think about it, so you know, best football in or best division in football. Streets are saying, streets are saying when Duval County roll into uh, old LA County and uh, Adam thorough dominance for the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't close. I mean, that's if you had this on your bingo board, uh, go ahead and cross it off. But uh, I didn't, I I certainly did not. I, I thought that you know, in spite of the Herbert injury, that the Chargers had too much talent and that the Jaguars would. Um, you know, the Jaguars would just kind of fall fall to the mighty talent that is the San Diego Superchargers or the Los Angeles Superchargers now. But, um, yeah, I, it's just – I don't know, man. That's – this Jags team, I, Trevor Lawrence, I talked all that shit last week, and here we are. I'm having to keep, you know, kind of eat those now. Um, yeah, I mean – Interesting game. Interesting, interesting game. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, the Jags just went in there, left no doubt. Uh, first time, I think, Trevor Lawrence has won a road game in his career. He was 0-9 going into this game. So, wild stat. I believe the Jags had lost 18 straight road games before this one. So, um, you know, breaking breaking some records here. It's been a long time that uh, since this team has won on the road. Uh, interesting to see out of any game, too. It was this one here. Um, like you said, Lawrence looked comfortable. Uh, Brian or Brian Robinson, not Brian Robinson. Goodness gracious, jo- Josh Robinson. There you go. One of them. One of them. One, one of, of them. the Robinsons. One of the Robinsons. That's the running back here. Uh, anyway, he had fifty-yard touchdown. They just they thoroughly dominated. I'm going to be honest, your ad. I get that the Chargers. You know, every game matters here. They had no business throwing Justin out there in this game, and then having him in there as long as he did down. 26 have him in there what what the hell's the point i just not make any sense that's the chargers being the chargers right there yeah i i agree with you 100 percent, bob i think we even talked about it during the game it, it, it wasn't worth having him out there i mean if if it were up to me i mean and i obviously don't make these decisions but i probably would have sat him this week i mean we talked about it a little bit non-division game not a ton going on um yeah it just seemed like it would have been a good Good time to get him some rest, especially moving into the gauntlet of a divisional schedule that they have. But, you know, credit to the Jags. They showed up and they they beat the hell out of him. I mean, that's there's really nothing else to say. They just showed up to play. Who'd have thought Urban Meyer was the issue? Uh, I, Urban Meyer was the issue. Doug Peterson's got it right. Uh, James Robinson, by the way. James Robinson. Just Look, look he's due diligence here. He earned it. He earned, he earned it. So, um, Duval County, hey. They're the first in the AFC South right now. Uh, we'll see if it lasts, but um, you know they're definitely a lot better than last year with a competent coaching staff that's not you know trying to embarrass their their own players and own staff in in their own meetings. So hey, works for the coaches now. You know hitting on college coeds after the game, right? Or at least yes. we don't think Doug is. I mean, hey, if he is, he's doing it incognito. That's all you ask. Hey, man. I don't. Who's not to say that Doug doesn't go out and flip that visor upside down and just turn into an absolute animal? In Duval County. Who the fuck? I don't know. You tell me. I'm sure the nightlife in Jacksonville is lovely. The city between the bridges. Oh, Lord. Well, um, you know, we talked about um, talked about the uh, some diligence and some stick-to-it-ness, of course. And, you know, I think when you think of diligence, you think of 
you know, a, a nice, diligent family man. And we had a matchup of absolutely just devoted family men um, today in the <laughs> NFC between the Bucks and the Packers. I mean, classic Brady and Rodgers, right? Right, Bob? Streets were calling this the family feud bowl. And by streets, I mean me. Well, I mean, I heard it was the uh, loser has to call their family bowl. So, Loser has to actually go to Thanksgiving bowl. Oh, no. Well, um, uh, congratulations, Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to go. To, you don't have to go see Jordan and the family. No. Uh, JoJo will wait another year, I guess. He won't have to see the grandkids. But that's a deep cut, by the way. Ad. I I am for the culture here. I understand that one. That's got layers. I mean, yep. the further you you further you cut into that cake, the more flavor you see. Really. Yep. We didn't think we'd have a Joel Fletcher uh, mention on episode thirteen, but uh, here we are. Anyway, you read that. Uh, you know, not quite the game I think we expected with these two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It was kind of a stinker on the offensive side. It was defensive, defensive, and a little bit more defensive when you really broke it down here. Yeah, not a ton of offense. Um, yeah, that, that Bucks defense is good. Um, very good. Know, very, very good. And, you know, I, I think the Packers played Ben Don't Break. And, you know, at the end of the game, they made the big play when they had to. And, that was it. I mean, if you would have thought, if you'd have told me that there was only going to be a total of four touchdowns in this game, I'd have thought you were crazy. You know, even with them both kind of getting up there in age, they they both just sling the rock. I mean, it's just so fun to watch them play. But just kind of the antithesis of what we've come to expect when they do play each other. But an entertaining defensive game, nonetheless. Just not necessarily what I expected. Yeah, no, not at all. I just, you know, it came down to you thought you were going to get one of those classic Brady comebacks in the end. I mean, he got you all the way then, and then that delay again just pushed him back a little bit. Just wasn't enough there. It just kind of – it wasn't – wasn't just – it seemed like they were a little out of sync at the end there. You know, it's one of those things, Bob. The more you think about that delay game and penalty, that delay game penalty, the more you just got to ask, what the hell is going on there? You it almost happened on the fourth down, too, well, that's the play right. before. But you know the situation. I mean, you know that if you score, you're going to need a two-point play. Why are you – where's the he- – why are you hesitating? Like where where does that hesitation come from? I don't understand that. And that is not a young team. No, not at all. And I mean, you could see Brady's frustration. He was visibly frustrated with the play call or something when he was coming off and they took that penalty. But I mean, how you're Well, when they took the penalty, when they took the penalty, they had just kind of started to snap the ball and it was gonna be like a handoff or some kind of like give to Fournette, and it was open. It was there. It was wide open. So I think the frustration was just so clear because they had the play set up, ready to go, and it was just execution that, that ended up biting them. They beat themselves in that moment. It wasn't like the Packers stopped them. No, and that's the thing. I mean, this is going to be a Packers win, but this is more so the Bucks did everything they could at the end there to lose the game. I mean, the difference between lining up at the three-yard line and, you know, taking that five-yard penalty, it just – or, sorry, the two-yard line and the seven-yard line. I mean, it's just – I don't know, man. I, it's – one of those mistakes, you just don't expect to see it, especially at the NFL level. I mean, got to know what you're doing. Well, look, Adam, these are two washed quarterbacks, okay? These are two old men quarterbacks. Let's look at the future here because on the West Coast, we had Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons going up to Seattle against the 12s and Geno Smith in the battle of the future of the league here. So, uh, you know, that one actually produced some points. Let's talk about that one while, yeah. while we break it down here. <laughs> I mean, Geno Smith, I mean, they really, I'm so sorry. Geno Smith took those, took those uh, points on the chin. 
Um, you know, I think it's noted how strong of a chin Geno Smith has. Um, I think mm-hmm. he has a plate in there, but you know, he was able to absorb absorb some of the points, but in the end, uh, just couldn't get the job done. The Falcons end up winning this game twenty seven to twenty three. Um, I'm just gonna say it. I like that good things are happening to the Falcons, especially Marcus Mariota. I just think, you know, very quiet guy. Um, one of those one of those guys who um isn't necessarily what you expect out of a quarterback, but still gets the job done. I really like Marcus Mariota. I think he's got a good offensive line there in Atlanta and yeah, just a just a good game. I mean, one of those things. I, I'm not even going to lie to you. I didn't watch a ton of this one, but um, with a quarterback duel like Geno Smith and Marcus Mariota, it was it was hard to keep myself away, to say the least. I'm shocked that College Game Day wasn't there for this. I, never mind. Never mind. Anyway, uh, look, I'm going to be honest here. If Marcus Mariota could play every football game in the Northwest, he might be the best quarterback of all time. Oh no, hundred percent. If Oregon you know, had you an saw- NFL team. I'm just saying, like, it was really written in the stars that he was going to play well up in Seattle. I mean, that is his territory here. Uh, just, you know, he's getting a repertoire with Drake London and Kyle Pitts, man. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, the Pac-12 is having some issues. Do you think you could just give Marcus Mariota a lifetime contract, just give him unlimited eligibility and just let him play up there? Well, I mean, why not? I I'm sure if they threw him on Arizona State, nobody would notice. It's better than Emory Jones. Well, I mean, it's one of those things. It's kind of like a free agency situation. Why don't we just give the worst team in the Pac-12 every year Marcus Mariota? Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine Brandon Whedon at, like, Kansas? We should just get, like, one. That would be awesome. You just get a quarterback that, like, may or may not be able to play in the league. Like, we're talking, like, the 30 to 35th best quarterbacks. And you Chase Daniel would 100% veto going back to college. Oh, my God. I mean, yikes. Chase Congratulations, Daniel. Brett Hun- Tyler Hundley. Brett Hundley, you're going, to, you're going to Utah. You're going back to UCLA. The Hundley guys are back. hey Nah, man. I think we should work out some sort of quarterback exchange program. I like, I like this quarterback exchange program. It feels nice, you know. <laughs> it feels like a good idea. Oh, but no, good to see the Falcons come away with a win. That yeah. that franchise deserves a couple wins. They're, you know, they're going to be battling all year. I think you're going to see Drake London emerge as a as a dog up there. He's a really damn good rookie receiver. And uh, yeah, that's. I mean. That's about it for that game. I don't know if there's anything else we need to touch about that. Yeah, we spent no. way too much on that. Let's go I to the agree. other game in the NFC West that mattered a little well, bit here. Do you want to uh, – I guess, I guess Bob, um, there's three things in life that are pretty certain. Death, taxes, and the Cardinals losing division games to the Rams. I mean, at this point, uh, I, I think Cliff has to car- start calling Sean McVay dad. Um, this is – this is not good. I mean, they just cannot get past this Rams team, Bob. Yeah, you know, they've got their number. It just there was Kyle, you saw Kyler running around in the backfield and Aaron Donald just barely tapping him on the shoelace. But it was a loss of 14. It just plays like that. It just you know, the Rams just they have their number for whatever reason. The the Cardinals could not convert these field goals into touchdowns. And that was ultimately the difference. You know, they had four scoring drives. They should have won this game, really, when you look at it. They convert the league average for points per drive. No, just field goals for this time. I mean, it just – there's something about this Cardinals team, man. They've got talent, but they just don't have heart. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know what the missing link is, um, but there's you're, you hit the nail on the head. There's something missing there. I just don't exactly know what it is. Um, 
I don't know if it's you know if it's Kyler or Cliff Kingsbury or if be nice to have DeAndre Hopkins out there, but you know he's on the juice for six games, so it's <laughs> just the Brian Cushing protocol there. But oh no, I, I just I, like you said, there's just something missing with that team. I don't know what it is, but it just you know the Rams are just you know I don't think they're going to be you know quite as good as they were last year, but you know they're they're getting Allen Robinson into the mix. Stafford looked a little more comfortable. Even got a rare Cam Akers touchdown at the goal line, so they just they did enough to you know win these divisional games. And divisional games doesn't have to be pretty, but you got to win them. No, hundred percent. I mean, a win's a win, and especially in a division game, like you said, just good on the Rams. Um, just have their number, good win. Um, you know, I think the last game of the the evening here, uh, the nightcap. You know, you can't it's a, spell it's a gabagool day. without L. You know, it's a bad day. It's a sad day. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, old Jimmy Gabagool came back down to earth a little bit. Uh, a little bit. I mean. A little out of bounds. I'm just going to tell you, uh, there's this end line in the end zone there. Um, not only does it remind you that you should end racism, but it also denotes where the end of the damn football field is that you're not allowed to kind of step out of. I mean, usually I'm no rules expert, but if you possess the ball and go out of the back of your end zone, it's, it's a safety. Um, the lack of field awareness. Um, I mean, at this well, hey, point, I, I don't know, know. You know, Jimmy's going to be Dan Orlovsky for Halloween this year, at least. So we got that going for him. I mean, Jimmy, just the lack of awareness. I mean, the guy's definitely going to get caught on a wire at some point. I mean, just the complete and utter lack of awareness was simply just, oh, my goodness. Um, a wire. Yeah. I, you know, the the Broncos, Russell, the Russell Wilson experience, um, I, I wouldn't feel good if I was a Broncos fan after this game. I think they really tried everything they could to lose this Russ game. Russ looks so off. Oh, he looks bad. He looks so off. Yep, bad. Like yeah, I don't mean to blurt in there on you, Ad, nope. but it's just it's it's been in my mind all night watching nope. him. He's 100%. been so off. Like there's something wrong. I don't know what it is. He just I don't know if the it's because the... he's making these damn videos with his wife and their wine friends about his suits, and he's worried about his outfits, and he's worried about all these different images on Twitter and all this different family man shit. He's a weird dude that needs to worry about football. Okay, yeah. that's your job. I mean, at the end of the day, I just think, you know, I think he needs a software update. They got to plug him in and, Dude, you know, yeah, I mean, it's get the same the update Wi-Fi. from 2013. Yeah, I mean, crazy, man. They got to revert him. I mean, this 2022 program, I mean, they tried, you know, it, it's got a lot of extras, you know, like you said, it makes very good content, that type of thing. But God damn it, we, they just need him to play quarterback at this point. Uh, yeah, that 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 Russell Wilson that's on the Broncos right now still thinks that uh, Cam Chancellor is on the Seahawks and that Jermaine Curse is the best deep threat he's got. So like they need to do some. He's got the same software as my 2013 MacBook, okay, from college. I haven't updated that shit in years, okay. Oh, no. Let me tell you what, it's the same thing. So uh, they've got too much talent at offense for it not to work. With whether it's Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Uh, Albert Okuwebenum, there's just too much offensive talent around him. That offensive line has been put so much draft capital and free agency money in these last couple of years that you know for them to have this much ineptitude on on the offensive side, especially in the red zone, it's embarrassing, quite frankly. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it, 
you're paying him too much money for the performance that you're getting, um, especially with the weapons around him. It's not like he has kind of the Rodgers excuse to where there's not a lot around him as far as talent goes. I mean, Russ has all the talent in the world. He's just, I mean, and this is two win, games in a row. They booed him. Man. Yeah. And to only win this game by one point. I mean, oh, that honeymoon is going to be over quick in Denver really quickly. Here. Well, I mean, Denver is a very sneaky, hard sports town. Um, their local radio is very hard on, on football players. Um, I think everybody knows that John Elway can't keep his mouth shut usually, um, obviously. that, that well, With those teeth. But that, that has kind of permeated Denver's media in a way. Um, they kind of expect that soundbite from a quarterback, that type of thing. So uh, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised if they start pushing some buttons in the local media coming up soon. Yeah, good thing they signed a long-term extension early on for old Russell. So he's not going anywhere, folks. He bought that beautiful big old mansion with him and Ciara. So uh, they're going to be hanging around the locals. They're going to be doing wine tastings all around hey, Lakewood. Man, Cherry Hills Cherry Hills is a beautiful place. Um, only 50 only fifty mansions in that, in, that, uh, in that neighborhood. And, you know, good for Russ. I mean, good, good for Russ. It's a hell of a place to live. So, yeah. Uh. <sighs> Yikes! Just he may get booted out of town before uh, before that contract's over if he keeps playing like he is. Well, real quick, Ad, we might as well touch on a couple college games real quick. There was probably two or three. It was a, it was an interesting day. Uh, the Tennessee four to one definitely jumped out at me. That was a you know back and forth uh, just offensive shootout. Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, putting up some numbers in that one and. You got a late onside kick from Florida at the end. It almost looked like they were going to pull another, uh, I guess, horseshoe out of their ass, which they usually do against Tennessee, but not this year. Yeah, no. Um, was watching that game. Uh, the thing that impresses me the most every single time I see Tennessee on TV is the fucking coordination of that crowd to get white and orange check. I- they have nothing better to do. And I know. But at the same time, I mean, imagine being the one asshole wearing orange in a white section. Just like, I'm sorry, okay? Like, I just, it's one of those things. Every time you see it on TV, the the camera angles get so horny for it. They just constantly they show do. it. They're showing wide angle shots at every excuse that they can. But, um, yeah, um, you know, I'm sure they're saying it feels like 98 in Knoxville. Um, they're super excited about beating Florida finally. Um, yeah, fun. You know, this is why you love college football. I mean, all the hype around it. I mean, Big game atmosphere. I mean, you could feel it. It was one of those games that I think highlight of the weekend as far as college football goes. Just really, uh, really a strong game, fun game to watch. That one was definitely up there. The Texas A&M and Arkansas game down in Jerry World, also the Southwest Classic, that ended up being a great finish. Arkansas jumped out. It looked like they were going to kind of run away with it here. And uh, we got a rare doink right back onto the field from Arkansas at the end there, looking like they were going to come back, steal one from Jimbo and the Aggies, and, you know, college kickers, man, college kickers. I mean, just a, I, a, a very impressive to even get it that high up on the upright. I mean, did you have you seen the video of how high it hit the Oh, upright? he crushed that thing. He nailed that. I mean, one of those things. That should have been worth a point. It, like, was a good, it was a good kick. I mean, it's one yeah. of those things. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'll, I'll make fun of kickers till the cows come home. They think they're, yeah. They're not even people in my book, but um, it, it was a good kick. I mean, you, you, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, you make some, you miss some. I mean, it looks like he got you know got his leg into it, just didn't necessarily hit it. Um, the one play in this game, Bob. How about that A and M 
uh, turnover at the at the goal oh. line to get the ball out to run and then have the presence of mind to hand it to the guy behind him and say, hey, go score. I mean, just a huge momentum swing in that game. Um, I mean, defense, man. I just love watching when defenses are having fun and they're playing loose like that. There's nothing better. And what a play that was. Yep. No, that's just that's the college game just being fun right there. Players being improvising and, you know, just, you know, heads up moment right there. Hey, that's that's the difference in some of these games. Yeah, huge momentum swing. I mean, it was one of those things that, you know, you kind of saw him go over there and you're like, okay, well, maybe he'll, you know, kind of get tackled. But, I mean, Arkansas, it was only that one guy trying to bring him down. And good, like you said, good presence of mind by the A&M defender to just be able to hand the ball off and say, hey, man, just go score. They're not they're not chasing us, so go score. Yeah. I mean, awesome, awesome play. Um, really fun game to watch there. Um, you know, Bob, I hate to bring it up, but um, – I think we kind of need to um, Auburn or Mizzou at Auburn. Well, okay. Listen, there were some weird finishes. So let's just go down the line real quick here. There were some weird finishes, and we'll talk about it real quick. With the Texas Texas Tech game that went into overtime, that was a weird that weird finish there. Back and forth drives. You got the USC at the end. Go ahead. Horns down. Horns down. Horns down. Uh, okay, cool. Hook them. But anyway, you, you had a couple weird finishes like that. USC drove late on to Oregon State, kind of you know late in the night there. Clemson, Wake Forest, back and forth in OT. Uh, but yeah, we can talk about Mizzou Auburn as well. That that game set football back a couple hundred years there. You got to hold on to the football. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't see the finish, let me describe it to you. Um, the Mizzou running back, whose name is escaping me. Isaiah Pete, who Isaiah had a great Pete, game, who had best a great, player on their team. I was just going to say, he did have a really good game until this point. Um, spoiler alert. So uh, in overtime, Auburn did kick the field goal. Missouri um, needs a field goal to tie and extend it into the overtime. Touchdown to obviously win the game. Um, so the running back takes the ball out to the left, outside, kind of an outside run play. Um, gets the corner, is around probably about the three-yard line per se. Um, let's say goes to reach the ball out to try and score. And in that transfer drops the ball and the ball goes out of the back of the end zone and Auburn, Auburn's going to win the football game. And Bob, I, I, my mother to give you the, uh, the backstory here, we were watching that. I was watching that downstairs with my parents and my mom without missing a beat just goes, Oh, poor Bob. She goes, poor, poor Bob. And uh, you knew it was coming after they missed the 26-yard field goal at the end of regulation. It was just very predictable there, man. It's just uh, two teams that neither one of them, neither one wanted to win. I don't know if you saw this stat ad, the Auburn running back. Uh, oh, my goodness. I'm blanking on his name now. And he's, he's one of the best running backs in the SEC. But anyway... Um, Tank Bigsby, Tank yeah, Bigsby. Um, he had 62 yards after contact. He had 44 rushing yards total. Oh so, God. I mean, if that tells you what you need to know about this game, Yikes. it was a knife fight. It was a damn knife fight. Nobody won that game. This was a Brian Harson phone booth. Baby. Brian Harson gets to celebrate. Not getting bought out for $15 million another week. That's it. 
him and his mistress slash football assistant from Boise State can have another week back on the plains. But uh, yeah, just not a great game there for the old Tigers there. But um, you know that's that's life in the Missouri uh, Athletic Hall of Fame. You know, just another another notch in the belt, bud. Speaking of misery, Adam, as NASCAR fans, usually this is a miserable week because it's Texas week. Yeah. I think it's time we might as well break into it, my friend. Yeah. Um, y- usually NASCAR... it's a miserable week because it's Texas and, you know, it's the racing we're pissed off about. No, actually, i got to be honest with you, Ad. We got a good Texas race this year. The racing was really good. You had a couple good battles. The, the track was 145 degrees out there, so it was miserably hot. It was baking. The track temperatures were causing these cars to slide. You saw drivers losing control half the time. But the one year, Ad, we get a good Texas race. Goodyear decides, hey, go fuck yourself, because we can't have a tire run more than 40 laps. And, I mean, when they say run 40 laps, it, it was a ticking time bomb, right? Yeah, I mean, the entire race... Um you know, we've kind of it's been coming to a head in the past few weeks. We've seen Goodyear have you know guys have tire issues, different things. Um, obviously, at Bristol, it's a little easier to point in the setup, that type of thing. But to have sixteen cautions in this race at Texas today, I mean, the most cautions in a one and a half mile race that wasn't the Coca Cola six hundred ever. I mean, that's just it's incredible. I mean. And to have so many, I mean, they had 19 different lead changes. There was all sorts of things in this race that were so interesting. And it's just such a bummer that the tire put a real damper on the day because there's a lot of interesting things that happened during this race that we could talk about. And instead, all of the conversation is going to get hijacked by Goodyear not bringing a tire that was really raceable to this racetrack. And you know, they shove Texas down our throat twice a year and we finally get a decent race and the tires are blowing up. It's just maddening to say the least. I mean, just one of those things as a fan, you hate to see it, especially in the playoffs. So many guys in the playoffs having issues. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you, we kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the show, Bob, just a, a tough, a tough a one shit to show. watch. A tough a shit one to show. watch. A shit show. Exactly. I had anxiety watching this race. Not going to lie to you. And I, I, you know, our, both of our mothers watch our sports when we're involved in things. And I mentioned it to my mother that the race was going on. And she's a big NASCAR and motorsports fan. So she was watching too. And I asked her, you know, about 100 laps to go when the rain delay happened. You know, like, what the hell's going on here? And then went back upstairs, went and talked to him after the Truex wreck had happened. And she was going, you know, like, this is, this is embarrassing for NASCAR. And it, for someone like her who's just, a, you know, doesn't watch NASCAR regularly but, you know, knows enough about it, for someone like her to say that this is embarrassing, why is someone like her going to invest three or four hours of her day to watch this? No. You know what I mean? I mean, I agree with you. I mean, they're losing – They races like this one lose casual fans because, you know, it, it's one of these things. You're there to see good racing, and there was good racing when it was actually happening, but this whole – time bomb feeling that the tires created was just miserable for a fan because you were just it, it felt like you were going to watch something bad happen the entire the entire race i mean it, it really does it just like you said it, it makes you anxious it really kind of takes over your thoughts because you start to worry about these guys safety and that's not necessarily what you want a fan to be worrying about watching the nascar race no not at all i mean especially after the cody Ware wreck which 
man. Yeah. That was that was hard to watch. That Horrendous. was scary for those couple minutes where you didn't really know what the what was going on, you know, what the protocol was. You kind of saw him get out of the car and he collapsed. You didn't know if it was his leg, if it was his head, if he was okay. They were very vague on it, the broadcast. You know, that was a violent wreck. And the fact that he if he had hit that pit wall divider head on, I I mean that just that would have been worst case scenario everywhere. Yeah, um I mean, obviously, prayers for Cody Ware at this point, um, a terrifying scene. I mean, one of those things to to see him go over the pit wall and just collapse like he did. That um, in-car camera was bad. Oh, it was awful. I mean, it was one of those things, um, you know, we like every now and again, we like to poke a little bit of fun at Cody Ware and Rick Ware racing. Every and that now and then. Well, every episode we'll call it. But um, obviously, you never want to see a guy get into a situation like that to where, you know, that that's somebody's life and that's his livelihood. And that's what, you know, that's what he does. And it's a dangerous sport. And I think everybody understands the inherent risks that come with that. But, um, you know, it w- that was terrifying. It was, it was very scary to see, like you said, only a couple feet away from hitting that ed divider. And, you know, we're having a completely different conversation. So like I said, prayers for Cody, where really hope that, um, that he recovers well. Um, yeah, man, that was awful. Just terrifying. Yeah, it- you know, we we Tyler Reddick and Victor. And by the way, Tyler Reddick won this race. Don't bury the other lead here. Yeah. Tyler Reddick won the race. This third is his third win in thirteen races. I yeah. mean, I mean, the guy is on fire when he's not getting eliminated here. I mean, he's not wrecking out, and when he's not blowing tires. Which the irony that the guy who is blowing tires leading the race more than anyone this year is the one that survived is kind of in itself just you know the cherry on top for this race. But he said in Victory Lane at his at his press conference, you know. I was very concerned those last 40 laps that my tire was going to go, but I just had to, I had to go. I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, I'm in first. You just can't, that's the risk as a driver. You got to pray that your tire is not one of those that's faulty or that, you know, you run just gentle enough on those right sides that it's going to be okay. But, you know, when all of these drivers are coming out saying the same damn thing, man, NASCAR has got to take a good hard look in the mirror look at Goodyear. Everyone's got to get involved here and say, look, and the other thing here, and you, like you said, it's been building up the last couple of weeks. I honestly, part of me thinks that these teams, with this being a new car, we don't have any information. They are pushing the limits even more and more and more as the playoffs are going to go because we don't know what the limit of these cars are. We're learning as we go every week. Trial by fire. Yeah, and I think that's part of the thing we're seeing here. We're pushing these cars with the setups each week to the limit the Goodyear hasn't seen. And so you're kind of kind of have to see kind of a, a balance here between full raw speed and you know what your car can kind of handle for 500 miles. So I uh, just I don't know what the the solution here is. Yeah, I mean you heard the CEO or president, I'm not sure what his formal title is of Goodyear, give an interview after the race and was like, you know, um certainly air pressure does have something to do with this. Um and he's right, but it's at some point you got to take one look in the mirror and say, "All right, what is wrong with this tire that when people start to push them, they are just popping. Um, You know, one of those things, I think as they get more data, I think Goodyear, I mean, Goodyear, we we give them a lot of shit, but at the same time, I think Goodyear has been a very good partner for NASCAR. I think they are eventually going to get this tire, right? I think there's just a little bit of a lack of data at the moment. Um, I think, you'll have fans that'll be a little more patient with stuff like this, kind of take my attitude, or you'll also have the people and there's a myriad of them online who are ready to, you know, open up the tire sponsorship. Let's let competing tires in. Let's get better tire. I mean, 
I just think Goodyear needs a little more time, a little more data. They'll get this figured out. I agree. I agree with that. I wouldn't mind seeing some competition in NASCAR with teams having to be able to have a little more choice in you know, OEM manufacturers, like you said, whether it's tires or engines or just you know little little things like that that can kind of you know they can have a little bit more choice and selection here because like like we've all said these cars are meant to even the playing field and they're the same exact parts for the most part but um, would like to see them have a little variety there but um, you know when you have through no fault of the drivers here issues that are wrecking these teams races and ultimately their playoff chances something's got to change here because it, it, it comes to where it's not the driver's skill anymore. It's just a lottery. You can't yeah, have that. hundred um, percent. You know, I think we saw some notable playoff drivers have some issues today. Um, Chase Elliott being one um, has that little bit another of a cushion. Another one. Yeah. yeah. Another one has that little bit of a cushion, but uh, you know, one of those things uh, you hate to see the Hendrick cars, um, especially Chase Elliott have those types of issues. Um, Christopher Bell, another guy. Um, yeah. I mean, just, just crazy. I think, you know, Bob, I, I think you and I were talking a little bit about Seabell before the, uh, before the show. So I'm going to give you the four here for Seabell and, and, yeah. and the case for Seabell because it kind of feels like he's getting screwed for performing well lately. Yeah. You know, first of all, Chase Elliott, another bad, bad start to his playoff round. You know, he has not been running well outside of the Bristol race last week, historically, the last couple weeks here. It's just something who did not pick him in their top four. <laughs> oh, damn. Just saying. Anyway, um, on a sad note, Christopher Bell. Yeah. Um, you know, average fourth place finish was the number one playoff driver in the first round, the round of 16. You know, to come out only 13 points above the cut line, I get the, it's the regular season matters, and that's the metric they reset. But there's got to be some sort of initiative or some sort of incentive for the drivers that run well in these playoff races to not have it completely reset. Because for someone like Christopher Bell, who was dominant and who clinched after two races in the first round, to come out 13 points above the cut line and blow a tire, now he's 30 points out. He basically has to win to get in or have two perfect races. I'm sorry. There's got to be some sort of way here for NASCAR to come up with it. Because, you know, one bad race is all it takes now. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and I mean, especially with the way the shape of the tires and stuff like that, with so many guys having mechanical issues, it's just not right. I mean, to have a guy like Chris Bell, who's been awesome all year, and you know, even especially in the playoffs, just to kind of see him get screwed like this. Um, and it's the same just, way with Tyler Reddick, Dad. I mean, first round. Yeah, no, it's the same he thing. Went, You're you know, 100% right. He ran, I think, sixth in Kansas, and then the next two races. He blew an engine leading, and then the second race, I think he got caught up in a wreck in, like, fifth or tenth through no fault of his own. So it's these guys that are having issues through no fault of their own, but through the manufacturers that are ruining these guys' playoff chances. It's got to be frustrating. Yeah, it's awful. I can't imagine. I mean, you put too much time and effort into everything you do in the shop every week to just be able to show up to the racetrack and have something fluky like that happen. I mean, I, I just certainly could imagine it. I mean, it's that's just terrible <laughs> you hear guys like truex just kind of laugh about it because it's either that or you're just so pissed off because i mean it's just one thing after another for guys like him and kevin harvick who you know have been around the block they feel like they've seen a thing or two and then this year they've just gotten everything in the kitchen sink it feels like thrown at these guys where i just expect the unexpected and just 
it's one thing after another for him. Yeah, um, I think we should just mention it really quickly. Kyle Larson did end up getting some stage points on stage one. Um, Ryan Blaney ended up winning stage two. Obviously, ultimate winner of the race, Tyler Reddick. Um, yeah, uh, just one of these races, Bobby. I, I just wish we could have had a better tire because they were really when they were racing. It was really they, there was a lot of really good racing. Um, you know, there, that was, kinda... there was there was say there was one really good moment of racing for sure. Happened under yellow though, Ad. I was just going to get into that a little bit. Ooh, um, we have good tell. We have good telepathy here. Yeah, the old twenty-four and the eleven. Uh, We're rebranding twenty-three eleven. It's twenty-four eleven now. Oh yeah, things are turning up a notch a little bit. The heat has turned up. Twenty-three is now twenty-four. Um, yeah, old Will Byron and uh, and Denny Hamlin kind of getting into it under caution a little bit. Um, for a minute, it looked like Danny was going to spin spin Byron out, and then <laughs> I mean, there was a lot going on there, Bob. I mean, it, it was one of those things. Ultimately, Danny gets turned around. Um, what did you think? What did you think of this one? Let me tell you, Ad. I've done some online racing with you before, and I've seen you do what Denny Hamlin did without the restraint Denny Hamlin did. I've seen that playbook before, my friend. <laughs> I knew exactly what the hell he was thinking. It was, I'm going to beat this dude's ass, and I'm going to send him into the wall. I have seen that before. That was the Adam O'Shea playbook. Dude, it was. I mean, he was he was getting ready to punt him, and uh, <laughs> wouldn't have been good. So close. He was so close. I mean, you know, Byron at the end when they were interviewing him, he, they said, did you mean to do it? He goes, I don't know. I mean, I... Yeah, yeah, I did. I didn't mean to spit him, but I was like, okay, William, like, you got pissed off in the moment, you, you took it a little too far, own up to it, man, you know, it's not the first time, it's not the last time this is going to happen in the playoffs, it could have been a lot worse, didn't, you know, wreck Denny's whole day, you know, took him out of definitely a chance to win, and it took the 24 out of a chance to win, too, he said, because it killed his car, so, um, you know. I don't think this is the end of it. Like Denny said, there he'll get him at some point. Denny says this with everyone. You know, I want. I'd like That's to see it happen here. Eyes. But what do you think about this ad? That's why I roll my eyes. I mean, it's oh, it's, this is on the uh, Denny Hamlin ghost list of people that he's eventually going to pay back, maybe. And I mean, realistically, I mean, he he said it all. If I get an opportunity to, I'll let you know get him back. And it's too subjective. I mean, I don't think Denny's really going to do anything. I think he. I think he sees this opportunity as a good chance for him to actually maybe put himself in the championship four and have a chance at getting that elusive championship as uh, one of your genius co-hosts on this podcast picked him. Um, I just, you know, I think Denny's got a little bit too much to lose. So he's just going to keep putting these guys on his list and act like, I think obviously part of it is just putting them on notice to make them think that something could be coming anytime they're around them. They may give him room, that type of thing. Um, I would hope that Denny eventually um, grabs his nuts and does something about it, but I don't, I don't know if it's coming. He just—he sounds full dad, but it sounds like he's talking to his kids when he when he says stuff like that. Like, nah, he sounds like he's like, on a list. It sounds like he's literally like one more incident away from like counting down to another grown man, just like, hey, I will three, turn this car around now. We are not going to Talladega. I will two, take this car around. If you're not in this car by the time, we will not go to Alabama. That's uh, yeah. It's very stern when he talks, but going full I'd like dad. to see a little action. I'd like yeah. to see a little action here. Just I want to see a good beef. I want to see. Don't talk about it. Be about it. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think you know, Bob. Since he said it, I mean, we did get one good beef, 
it just didn't happen to be at the uh, Cup Series level. It happened to be uh, at uh, Old Martinsville this weekend. Um, the late model late model series uh, was at Martinsville doing a little bit of short track racing. Um, I've actually got the clip here, so bear with me here for a minute. You're going to kind of get the full uh, full gist, and then we will break it down for you. But uh, here goes nothing. Here's the clip. You know, if you're inside that top 10, we got trouble down. Oh, we, got, we got a major fight whoa. going on down here. And I mean, Tempers have flair kicking the race car. We got fists flying. We got all kinds of stuff going on. Andrew Grady trying to go after the driver of the 41. We saw him show some hey, displeasure on the racetrack. In this day, we, uh, we were really, really good. The car was really fast. But, man, you get, you get these dumbasses that come in here and run with us, and they have no business running a late model much less a lawnmower. I mean, he, he wasn't close. He dive-bombed me. He hooked me. He, he wrecked Brandon Pierce in the process. And I wanted to talk to him, and he flipped me off. So I started Mike Tyson in his head. I mean, you're in a big boy sport. When you recommend, you can take a grown man ass whipping. That's how I mean. <laughs> when you recommend, you can take a grown man ass whipping. That is up there. I mean. That's Shakespeare. That's That's up there for sound bite of the year um that guy was livid i mean if you get a chance to see the video i mean oh my goodness he he gives this dude while he's sitting in the car probably about a seven piece combo and a biscuit from popeyes and this dude is just eating it in the driver's seat it's incredible finally you see this big dude come up and just move the driver away from him we're done here oh my goodness i mean Mike Tyson and his face in that may be the most accurate description of what was going on there, Bob. I, I want to know what, like what the guy's perspective was sitting in the car. Like, whoa, because I've got it here. Hold oh on. my here God. Comes. Of course we do. Here it comes. He said he wanted to talk to you, but he said that you flipped him off. No, I never flipped anybody off. Uh, he just oh, come no. started punching me inside the race car. So I, I understand he's frustrated, but again, it was for the transfer spot, and we were just fighting for our life. So, fist to fly. I mean, <laughs> I have not heard that part. I'm glad I got a second. I got, I'm glad I got the other side of this. That's yeah, wow. I mean, we finally got the other side of the story. I mean, I felt like that was an important piece of it. But uh, I gotta say, guys that swing on dudes wearing helmets, what are you trying to accomplish? Or whether it's football, NASCAR, I just. All right. What are you doing, man? So to present the other side of the argument, because I have swung on many of people wearing helmets, because I used to like you could ask any of my teammates. I used to punch like one teammate of practice. They deserved it, but like I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be practicing. Everybody knew it, and like the second you tried, like over ninety percent effort, you were getting fought. Like I wasn't. I wasn't. So any of the eager young kids on the team that oh, would try and you impress the coaches? Oh my gosh, yes, yeah, scout okay. team, like the walkthrough warriors, as I like to call them. Um, they're my, I, you know, I love them and they're the best. And it's one of those. They're things. trying to better you, Adam. They're trying to better you. No, Maybe, they, and you know, I'm just saying they were. And, you know, it was one of those things. I, I just wasn't trying to get bettered. I was playing D3. I mean, realistically, I was okay. Um, but yeah, there was, oh God, dude, there was just so many instances where I would swing on people with helmets on. And to be honest with you, part of the reason is because you know you're not going to hurt anybody. I mean, as long as you do it smart, I mean, you just kind of hit somebody. You rattle their cage a little bit. You know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, this would really hurt if you weren't wearing a helmet. So, 
I mean, I get it. Good way to let some anger out. It's kind of like hitting a heavy bag at that point because you're not really going to do any damage unless you just are Mike Tyson and can punch somebody through a fucking helmet, which by all means. But Well, see, Ed, this is why this dynamic works. See, I'm questioning why you would punch somebody with a helmet on, and here's the sore subject in the center of it right here. It's Adam O'Shea, the case subject of it all. <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you could ask. I mean, eventually... We'll talk to some of the uh, some of the guys I played with and stuff like that. They'll they can tell you some of the stories. I don't really want to spoil any of them, but there's some good ones out there to say the least. But no, I, I, that that clip was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, I, I this afternoon it had over four million views already on Twitter. So I mean, it's going viral, my friend. It's 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 good. It's 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 very good here. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things you would hope that the sport goes viral for racing or that type of thing. But I mean, if it's a fight that's going to do it, then uh, here we go. Fight's going to bring some eyes. We'll take it. We'll take a good beef any way we can. But, yeah. um, um, I mean, my, my, man, it was a weird weekend. It was a wild weekend. We almost did it 90 minutes here, Ad. I mean, is there anything that we didn't cover that, I mean, just jumps out to you, my friend? I mean, we, we were <laughs> I mean, a the, lot. The big thing for me, and this has been a pretty full episode, but you know what? It's finally, I think it's time that we address the elephant in the room a little bit, Bob. Um, you know, I watched the Xfinity series. On Saturday, and you know, I saw Noah Gregson win four straight, Mr. September. Um, hell of a performance by him. Get that Andy's uh, frozen custard trophy that I I don't know what I'm gonna have to do to get my hands on that trophy, but I so, one some way somehow we will do whatever it takes, Noah. I will I will do bad. I I don't even know. I I that that trophy is so high on my list of wants that I don't even necessarily have the proper offer without considering it lowballing it because that thing is incredible how many how many days in a row of just andy's custard would you eat to have that trophy as many as they told me i had to I would right. consider I would consider it at that point i mean it, 3 years 3 years of a custard based diet oh no as Adam, as Adam live podcasts from the toilet on episode 300. Oh, fellas, welcome to the Breaking Ball podcast. <laughs> it would be a nightmare. Oh my but hey, God. got the trophy, so. No, nah, that'd be worth it, I mean. But anyway, uh, I'm sorry, anyway. Yeah, all right, continue. Anyway, elephant in the room. Um, You know, these Xfinity cars are consistently the best show that shows up to the racetracks every single weekend. And it's getting to a point to where, you know, the non-casual race fans are noticing that the Xfinity is where the action is. The car is better. They can pass. There's, you know, it seems as if the uh, the arrow package is a little bit different to where they just are able to kind of get up and draft with one another. And in a way that these cup cars, um, for whatever reason, just haven't worked out the kinks to really get it there. And I think this is a huge issue for NASCAR because this would be the equivalent of AAA baseball outshining the MLB. I mean, it's not to say that these drivers are necessarily less talented or that type of thing, but they're just able to put on such a better show because of what the car is able to do. Um, wanted to get your opinion on it, Bob, because obviously you've watched racing for a little bit longer than I have. This is something that's kind of come to my attention as the weeks have got on here. Just what, what do you think? I mean, as far as the Xfinity and Cup Series balance goes, who do you think's winning this battle right now? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it's consistently each week the Xfinity racing as a whole is better. Obviously, you know, the parity is probably not. You only get 15 
10, 15 cars a race that probably have a legit shot of winning two to three teams. But the racing is so high level that you don't notice that because the racing is so good, whether it's battles for the lead, uh, you know, Almondinger, Gregson, Ty Gibbs, uh, Allgaier, Sam Mayer, Josh Berry. There are all these names that aren't star names, but they race really hard and against each other are so competitive. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that, you know, NASCAR, the Cup Series has had the parody of winning this year. But, you know, when you really look at the, the quality of racing, Xfinity just from head to toe is just more entertaining. Like you said, I don't know how they fix that. Yeah, I just don't exactly know what they can do short of completely revamping this car again, which I highly doubt that they're going to do. I think we will see some offseason changes to the next-gen car, but not to the extent that I think we're going to see this disparity go away. And I think that's something that NASCAR didn't necessarily consider when they made the update to the next-gen, but I mean, definitely something that they got to take a look at now, in my opinion. I mean, what I, I just don't even know where to begin as to what to do to make make these next gen cars more raceable or more uh, more race friendly. I mean, the tires have been an issue. We we see guys having issues taking hits. I mean, it just feels like there's one thing after another with this next gen car. Um, be anxious to see if they can figure it out a little bit. No, but it's something like you said. It it, it is notable week to week, whether you're a casual fan or a diehard. Just the con- the quality and consistency of the racing, I think, is higher on Saturdays for the most part. I don't know how we get to that point where we, you know, outside of completely revamping this next-gen car, but, uh, you know, more horsepower. Obviously, the driver's been clamoring for that. That's the biggest thing, but um, I just I don't know. It's not an easy fix, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't even begin to even act like I know the fix, but just fully something that we should keep our eyes on moving forward because it is a noticeable difference. Um, I don't know, Bob, anything else you got left? I mean, we're, we're coming up on the 90 minute mark here, maybe the first time in breaking balls history. So why don't we go, you know, I don't know this, this last little minute here while we, while we comfortably get ourselves to 90 minutes, you have the floor, go ahead, Bob, whatever you want. Oh, I, I have the floor. Oh, that's dangerous. That's, that's dangerous, Adam. Um, let's see here next week. We've got Talladega. You know, it's a lottery race. Everyone's in a weird spot here. Uh, Joey Logano is the one seed, but, you know, yeah, I think he's 28, 30 points above the cushion. One wreck, he's he's back to zero. So, uh, you know, you've got that. You've got a couple NFL games next week, a couple college games where we're starting to get to where uh, the newness is wearing off. We're finding out who's kind of legit, who's already on the hot seat. I'm excited. We're, you know, fall is here, man. We're we're getting into the the rhythm of sports. Oh yeah, we're in full swing of things. Um, yeah, man, just excited to kind of get, you know, to kind of really shake out everything with college football and the NFL, and obviously NASCAR is coming back. Um, you mentioned Joey Logano just really quickly. Love a good paint scheme. That AAA Auto Club car, whenever it comes out, man, just chef's kiss. It always looks great on the track. Um, good to see it out there at Texas today. Um. Yeah, man, Talladega, you know, pick your ticket. Everybody take a number when you get into the race, and maybe you hang out in the back, stay out of the big one, and you've got a chance. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Cody Ware has a shot if he's racing. That's all I like to hear. Yep. BJ McLeod win inbound, am I right? Man. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Bob, any last thoughts before we get rid of this one and, uh, and release it to the public at large? 
I don't think so. This was a long weekend. I need I need a night of uh, just decompressing after after a lot, a lot this weekend, buddy. 100%, man. I agree with you. Well, it's going to um, be a long fall. Oh, it's going to be a long fall. But luckily, we're going to be here with you every step of the way. Hold your hand. Make sure you feel comfortable going into the weeks of football and NASCAR. Um, we'll be back with you probably on Thursday um, to preview this next week of NFL, obviously, the race at Talladega. Um, and really whatever comes up, I'm excited to see what comes up in the news cycle this week. And, uh, yeah, if you're not already like comment, subscribe, um, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. We're taking over everywhere. We're worldwide. Worldwide, wide, 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 Um, any last thoughts, Bob? No, Adam. Uh, unlucky number episode 13 of Breaking Balls. We made it to the 90-minute mark. So um, I think that's it, my friend. I think that's a wrap on this one. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, I guess as we conclude here, then we may as well hit it one more time. This was episode 13 of the Breaking Balls podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, no the, Eagles, Adrian. the Eagles are 3-0. We did it! They're making an eighth Rocky movie. Life's going to be good. We're digging back. up Mickey. We're digging up Pauly. We're doing it. It's all happening. Rocky got a robot. And we're all leaving. Breaking balls forever. Fuck Clubber Lang. <laughs>